Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Snakebird. Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. In today's podcast, our hope is to discuss a very important substance and process that should come as a natural byproduct of walking as a disciple of Christ or you know, as a snake bird. And that is the topic of spiritual fruit. That's right, guys. Josh and I have been deep in the woods all week long (laughs) in research for this episode relating to all things fruit and root. So this is a super important topic because Jesus tells us that we'll be known by our fruit. And so we want to take time examining the things that Jesus says we should have. Yeah, and we're not going to cherry pick our verses oh, that we talk you about. got me. You got <laughs> well, one over on I me. I was not expecting the pun of deep in the woods. So, you know. <laughs> I'm clever like that. You, if you stand here not long enough, I might bark about it. <laughs> okay, I'll leave this one alone. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the concept of spiritual fruit is not a crazy concept, and it's It's really, I think, for all people, an easy to understand and easy to illustrate biblical example. But here's something I've never put together. Did you realize that the Bible starts with fruit in the Garden of Eden, and then it's used as an illustration throughout all of Scripture, and then even in the last chapter of the Bible, it ends with fruit in Revelation chapter 22. Oh, wow. I've never really connected all those dots. I hadn't either. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. God is concerned with fruit. And I I think that's an important thing that we're going to come across as we talk about this. And then I was thinking of fruit and it reminded me of a headline I saw recently. It said, fruit truck overturns on a highway creates jam. Oh, nice. You're on a roll, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Don't start up the pun machine. Oh, man. You know, but we don't have to wear overalls or have the title of farmer to understand the way fruit trees work. And God knew that when he gave us this picture in the Bible. And this concept of root to fruit is woven throughout the pages of scripture. And I wanted to say that just like our last episode where we were talking about being dressed for the test of having that spiritual armor available, we called this episode Root for the Fruit because not only are we saying we want to encourage fruit in our lives and we want to root for that in in our own lives and in the lives of others, we also realize that there is a source where fruit comes from and that is the root. And we want to focus on what are our roots and where are they laid and how are they growing and things like that. And then what type of fruit does it produce? Yeah, that's so true. And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking to myself, what's the best definition for fruit? And from what I can gather, when the Bible refers to fruit in a Christian's life, it's talking about visible things that a person does as a result of being born again. Is there anything that you would add to that, Josh? Yeah, I would say just maybe evidences of those things in their lives. That that fruit is an evidence of the Holy Spirit or God working through your life and and that kind of fruit specifically. True, yeah. It's it's something that uh, people should see in your life. Yeah. And um, yeah, of course, Galatians 5 uh, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, why don't we even um, just right from here jump into those fruits of the Spirit? And, you know, we find that in 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And, um, you know, you've probably memorized a lot of those because there are so many children's ministry songs that <laughs> that help us to to mnemonically, is that the word? <laughs> nice. <laughs> to yeah, remember no. those. Yeah, for real. It's... It's something we want to keep written on our heart because it's how we should be. Yeah. And I love that even in the fruit of the spirit, it's built like a tree because it's characteristics. And then they're built on the branch or the trunk of love because every one of them flows from love. And we find that um, that word love there is, again, we're going to go to the ice cream. (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's not like the love for ice cream and it's not like brotherly love. It's not romantic romantic or sensual love it's agape love which means unconditional and it's the greatest christian virtue that encompasses all others and it's a love more of decision and not of spontaneity it's a love that you have to choose to to live out oh yeah so that's it's nice. And that's, that's the foundation upon yeah. which the rest of these is kind of chronological. It looks like exactly right. Yeah. You, cause you kind of move from that and it's a verb. Love is a verb into joy. And I, I, I know we've talked about this and I'm going to keep hammering on it because there's such a big difference between joy and happiness. Oh yeah. Because happiness is a lot of times dependent upon your circumstances and what's going on in your life currently at the moment, like what your temperature is on how things are. Mm -hmm. Whereas joy is not dependent on any of your circumstances, even in the rain, even in the the thunderclouds, even in the lightning storm, whatever it might be, even in like in West Texas, uh, a haboob, which is a dust storm or a uh, tornado rolling in, we can still have joy. Yeah. And I guess wouldn't you say that 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 would come from where your identity is exactly in Christ? That's yeah. that's because that that's not circumstantial. That's um, that's your identity. Well, and that's what these are all about. These are characteristics of walking in the Spirit, and we're going to go into that. But the walk is talking about continually and progressively, and and I find that we we use that Christianese term progressive sanctification because what this is implying is that every day you have that mindset of in the spirit who's living inside of you and that these characteristics are a byproduct of you walking day to day in the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. And I found this quote on joy. It said, one of the greatest marketing strategies ever employed was to position the kingdom of Satan as a place where the fun is and the kingdom of God as the place of gloom and misery. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's done a lot nowadays. It, it? it is. A lot of people don't think heaven's going to be a whole lot of fun or even just the kingdom of God. I mean, if you look at churches portrayed in modern multimedia or modern uh, culture, church looks like a pretty boring place. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you have what the world would say is fun and it looks like a pretty exciting place. And I think, you know, there's been countless books written too. And I think it's why churches so try so hard to not give it that image anymore. And, and some people might see that as fake or, or weird, Yeah. but it, it's really, it's us trying to get the people to understand this, you know, we're doing everything we can short of sinning to get people to hear the good news. Yeah. And, and church is all about being real. 
Yeah. And it shouldn't be that fake, like cheesy smile kind of environment, but it actually should be real who you are. And then hopefully from that comes not only a spirit of fun, but also a spirit of reality and a spirit of just togetherness, you know, of doing life together. So there can be joy. And I, I like what Spurgeon said on this. He said, believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not from what they enjoy, but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I know when you quote Spurgeon, you're just like, well, he said it. There yeah. we go. Let's just <laughs> drop the mic, walk away. That'll give you peace, won't it? It will give you peace. Oh, thank you (laughs) for that piece of segue. There it is. Peace. And it's not talking about like hippies, like, yo, peace, man. Uh But it's talking about peace. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just had a vision of a flower child. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So peace with God creates an internal well-being that spills into our relationship with others and in turn, we become peacemakers. So to me, it's kind of like that overflowing waterfall that you might see at like a, a tranquil day spa where all of a sudden this pouring out comes and it fills the first reservoir, which is uh, the most important one, which is peace with God. And all of a sudden we have that through the Holy Spirit. And then that reservoir fills and it overflows into the next bowl, which is peace in ourselves, that internal that we need to have in order to quiet the the, the schemes of the devil and him trying to lie to us and, and trying to stir up turmoil in our hearts. And then as soon as that bowl fills, the next thing you know is it's overflowing into the next reservoir, which is with others. And when we have peace with others, not only do we start operating in that we become peacemakers in their lives and in the lives of the world yeah that's that's so true and what i like that we've seen so far is is love being the foundation Mm -hmm. which leads to joy which any any brand new born again believer remembers that initial joy that new car smell if you will yeah which leads to the peace this is it's kind of this coast peace that you can you can get through anything because of your identity and then patience long-suffering that speaks to the long game, doesn't it? It does, because here's where it gets real. Because it gives us forbearance and endurance in tough times and circumstances. And the way that I read it best is that it's courageous endurance without quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's the same thing that James talks about, that that endurance of like hupomone, of being able to stay under and endure of like going through the hardest times you know james says pray for patience and a lot of people are like i'm never praying for patience again but that's the that's the idea is that you're able to endure even in the toughest of circumstances and we use like jesus or the apostles as our example yeah well and that's you know patience man that's almost like it's it's when things get harder it's harder to produce these things if you're not walking with god correctly yeah Uh, especially kindness yeah because I think you think of of the scripture uh, in the last days, most love will grow cold, mm. and patience, the long suffering, and walking with God, you'll still be able to be kind when those times come. Yeah, and these things don't come naturally. No, they don't. They they really don't. That's why they have to come from a place of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And kindness, you you talk about what kindness means. Is it means generosity, and that's with your material wealth, your things. 
And then that's also with your time, which that takes a commitment to do. And then yeah. even just with your attitude and, and not like love kindness, like, hey, y'all, you know, but like <laughs> genuine, you know, like Bless her heart. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I love living in Texas and yeah. having that ability to say hi to just about anyone on the street and have them not like look at you like you have a third eye on your forehead. Yeah. But kindness that comes from a place of looking at people through the lens that Jesus would look at them through a reflection uh, of how God treats us. That's what kindness should be, is you literally being a reflection of how God wants you to treat others. That's true. And, and there's there's such a big difference. I think we've all seen it in, in a, a real kindness and a fake kindness. Yeah. Kind of like a small talk, how's the weather, you know, type of deal. Because you, it's awkward if you don't. Yeah. Versus a sincere concern about that other individual. Yeah. Which comes out, and it can come out, like you said, in material ways, like uh, um, financial or, or whatever, but it, there's a difference in the sincerity. Yeah, and nothing changes a person's demeanor than actually realizing that you care about them. Oh, for real. That's so true. I mean, I've seen that so many times, and it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, which leads to goodness. And, you know, I was thinking, goodness, what does that even mean? But it means love in action. You know, which is, again, that whole tear thing that all of these are coming from uh, love. And it means moral and spiritual excellence oh, or nice. that you have integrity. It's it's like you're living as an example of Jesus because he was good. And, it, and can we do that on our own? No. no. <laughs> so I guess this, this could be related in some way. It, some people don't like the way it sounds, but um, obedience. Mm, yeah. Could come from that. Huh? Yeah, because... I mean, Jesus was a perfect example of that. Yeah. He was obedient in his call to the Father and yeah. what he walked in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then faithfulness. And, you know, the word that we come up with is like fidelity. Mm. And I really like that, you know, especially talking to somebody who loves music and things like that. And you think about hi-fi or high fidelity means like the best quality. Yeah. And um, another word for it, another way to say it is unwavering in our resolve. Mm. And that's somebody who's faithfully waiting for God to come through that. That ties in more to patience. That ties into um, when your word, when you've given your word, it's going to stand. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to move from that, which leads to gentleness. And uh, if some scriptures out there actually say meekness, which I love that word, um, because meekness would be like not known for cruelty or anger, but a meek heart and a touch much like Jesus. And it means somebody who's teachable or submitted to the will of God and doesn't have desire for revenge or retribution. And I really love that word meek because it means strength restrained, nice. which is exactly who Jesus was. And that's exactly what a snake bird should be, yeah. you know, all walking in wisdom, but also walking in gentleness. Because when they were talking about Jesus, meek and mild, you know, I always think of like a sniveling little guy who's like, oh, I'm just so meek. Yeah. But Jesus is like, hold me back, bro. You know, <laughs> like he didn't actually say hold me back, but yeah. he, he had the restraint. He had the restraint. He had the... And and he had the ability to follow through on if he had ever made verbal threats on what he could physically do to somebody. Yeah. He had the ability as God to back it all up. But in his meekness, he chose to walk in humility. He chose to, yeah. to restrain that strength. 
And that's what, I mean, that's right up our alley here. Because like you said, Snakebird, if you listen to our first episode, it's the whole wisdom and gentleness balance. Yeah, striking that balance. Yeah, and if you hadn't listened to that, go hit that episode one up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we go over that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the last one, number nine, is self-control. And that's the power to avoid sin or the ability to tell it no, to walk in discipline And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This does not come naturally. This comes as a byproduct of allowing the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to operate in that sense of producing this fruit of righteousness. Oh, yeah. And one thing that came to mind as you were talking about that is the uh, taking every thought captive. Oh, yeah. Which I, I hear, you know, we hear that quite often, but it's a really powerful verse. And even since our last recording in Ephesians 6... Um, this past week, I've really, anytime I get like a bad attitude urge or something, and I get some pretty bad road rage just for the listener <laughs> out there, I guess not rage, but well, sometimes, but anyway, <laughs> I, I, I've really been envisioning this, this battle scene of what's going on behind the veil mm. and to imagine, you know, in taking every thought captive is a real, um, it's a real act of warfare here, and, and the self-control is a part of that. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about that on that number nine there. Yeah. Because that, that's something I've been dealing with this last week, you know. We yeah. Deal, we got robbed, you know, and I'm already upset. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this, it's been a crazy week. So yeah. that's a great one to get have self-control. I Well, okay. So we were talking about children's ministry and how there was a song that reminded us of all the mnemonic ways to remember the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a little application tape that my parents had bought and it was about this bully who had kept picking on this kid and he would push this kid down and he would just talk to him and and really insult him and everything well come to find out the kid was already like i don't know a couple months away from being a black belt in karate (laughs) and he could have whooped the bully's butt yeah but because he was practicing self-control you know and i i mean that'd be tough that'd be really tough especially as a kid where you're like i could beat you you know and then just strength restraint or or you know holding back because you're walking in that spirit of self-control or taking that thought captive so i thought that was pretty interesting yeah it almost reminds me of like a mob movie where the mob boss doesn't want to get arrested for something petty someone's mouths off to him randomly on the street and he tells his guys just leave it alone he puts the hand yeah, like over just, here just like, i know we could kill his entire family yeah. just leave it alone <laughs> so, <laughs> okay that got dark <laughs> no yeah but yeah, yeah obviously that's not walking in the spirit but. yeah and, and the big thing from that and i'll say this is that i said the word produce and i think about how you have produce versus manufacture and I appreciate that when we go into the store to buy things that have come in that have been grown, we don't go to a place in the store where it says on the wall, manufacture, because yeah. that would be freaky, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. That's like, what, synthetic fruit or something? Ugh, <laughs> yeah. Skynet fruit, robot fruit. <laughs> it's terrible. It makes me sick. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the heart is that this is naturally produced in you and it's not manufactured. It's not built on an assembly line, but it's really coming from that natural place. And that's why our roots are so important. Yeah, that's true. Um, fruit is not something that we muster up. God may give you confirmation according to your gifts that he's given you, but it is important that we, we realize that he is the one that initiates these in us. Hmm. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, aka fruit. 
um, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So, mm. yeah, that's a that's a very important point. That um, it's it's not something that's um, created by us. No. You know? And one thing too, I wanted to point out is um, all, all Christians are going to bear fruit. If you're a believer, uh, it's some it's something that's going to come from you. Um, some sooner than others, maybe, mm. but it it will come from you. John fifteen two says, "Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away." And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. And it, at first glance, when you read that, it you almost think it's a contrast between a non-believer and a believer. But what it actually is is a description of two different levels of believers here. Um, some claim that the ones to be taken away are, are the ones that, like the branches that are burned. But uh, when you actually investigate it a little further, takes away is the Greek word arrow, which means to raise, take up, or lift. And what seems to be uh, indicated here is a believer who is struggling to bear fruit, perhaps maybe a, a new believer, someone who is not an experienced Christian, um, or, or if you want to put it that way, and God raises them up to a level more suitable for that particular branch to bear fruit, which is exactly what vine dressers do. Mm. And so um, I think that's a, a fascinating thing that speaks to God's amazing patience with those who kind of lag behind. Um, sometimes not, not their fault. It's just how, you know, we all know someone who just has a harder time connecting dots than others. Sometimes I'm that guy. <laughs> but um, we often, we will leave them behind. But yeah. God, he won't. Yeah, I so appreciate that picture of God being the vine dresser or the gardener that looks at a branch that hasn't produced yet. And he says, let me let me put you in a better position to be able to bear fruit. And maybe you need a little bit more water or maybe you need some more sun. And, and the fact that that translates um, into Christianity is so uh, evident and so awesome. Yeah, it really is. And I know I've pointed this scripture out before, but it, it really hits home for me, and I love it. It's Romans fourteen four. It says, To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Mm. And I love that, because if you're his, you're his. And while others, people might let you down, God will not. Yeah. And... um but, you know, just in case some might get the impression that I'm a full-blown Calvinist by saying that, <laughs> I, I, would, I would like to point out that we can't bear fruit unless we abide in Jesus. Yeah. And um, that, is a, that is a free will thing. So I, I think it's important to, to note that, that abiding in Jesus is how we bear fruit. Yeah. And we know that from John fifteen five for scripture reference. <laughs> Not just Steve here. No. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Yeah. And since I'm Greek today, the word for that is mino, abide. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which means to remain, stay, or endure. Yeah. And you know, that this word is kind of, it's simple yet complex to me. Because I've heard it said the Bible is, um, what is it, shallow enough for a child to to play in, but deep enough for an elephant to drown in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that really can hit abide, too. And I think the best example um, for me is is commitment in marriage, which Jesus uses that example um, in various portions of Scripture. But uh, it's a lifelong commitment where there might be ups, there might be downs, but you are committed regardless. Mm -hmm. That is abiding in Jesus. It's a lifestyle, not, yeah. not like my diet. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, not to be too comical, but it is. It's it's a commitment, a lifelong commitment. And you know, one of the one of the best pieces of, of advice I got at my wedding was from one of my groomsmen, and um, he said, "There's going to be a lot of people out there trying to give you the perfect formula for a happy marriage, but the best way to do it is your way." And the reason that's always stuck with me is because of the point behind it. Um, People are going to try to fit you in a box to make you mimic their trendy way of doing things. Uh, For your relationship with God, people even say, you got to get up in the wee hours of the morning. You have to fast. You you must worship in this particular way. And and some of these things are are good things to do. Um, And while you can pick up great things from other Christians along the way, your relationship with Jesus is not a formula. Uh, Each believer needs to discover through God's Word what this relationship looks like for them. And and the key word there is through God's Word. But this is part of of bearing fruit, this abiding, this whole concept. Mm -hmm. Just some things. um, And and if you were to generalize it, all marriages might look the same in the sense that everyone's married. But if you were to peel back each one, we would see how each couple is unique um, in their own ways. And the same could be said for our walks with God. In abiding in Jesus, this whole concept, it's so important for bearing fruit. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you're not going to have spiritual fruit unless the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and you're co- cohabitating in a sense because he's living in your heart and he's he's in there working in and through you. It's our seal for crying out loud. Yeah, <laughs> the seal of our salvation. Yeah. And you know, some general practices every Christian should be doing um, to, to help all this out is, you know, communication, a healthy prayer life with God. Mm. Um, I think prayer has become ritualized nowadays for a lot of people, uh, outsiders primarily yeah. looking in. And uh, unfortunately for some Christians, it's become a repeated phrases, a checklist thing. Um, it needs to be personal. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to look like everyone else it can be eyes open, closed. That doesn't matter. Um, the yeah. hat off in church you mentioned, you know, yeah. uh, it could be on a walk in the park, getting in nature, whatever it is, it needs to be real. So make sure your your prayers to God, um, however that might look for you, make sure, make sure sincere, real, um, and, and figure that out with God. Don't don't try to make some formula, but uh, that that prayer would be us to Him, and then. Uh, we got to be reading his word too. I can't leave that out because that's one of the primary ways God speaks to us. Yeah. When you talk about fruit and root, I always go back to Psalm one because it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Like you just said, God's word. Mm -hmm. And in that law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So there is that idea that when we communicate with God and then when he's communicating back to us through his word and when we're meditating on it day and night, he's going to make our roots grow strong. And then from that, we are going to bear fruit. Yeah. That's true. I love Psalm 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm. It's just that knowing God, that communication back and forth with him and knowing his word, that's going to produce fruit. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to provide a jumping off point, but Proverbs 12, 12 says, the wicked covet the catch of evil men, 
but the root of the righteous yields fruit. Because I have to ask, what is the root of the unrighteous yield? Well, that's an interesting concept because we actually already, we mentioned Galatians 5 and uh, before it got to the fruit of the spirit, which we just went over, um, it talks about the deeds of the flesh, which um, the Greek word is works, which is also, we can interchange that with fruit. And it's talking about things that would be the opposite of love, joy, peace. And it's immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Listen to that one. Um, disputes, like me in traffic. Um, dissensions, factions. Some of these words, you, you almost have to get a dictionary out. But <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, you're right. It's It talks about um, things that come from... A, spirit, a counter spirit, and that, that's something too. There's two types of spirits working; each produce their own set of fruits um, or works. First John chapter four, um, one through six, it says, "This is the spirit of the antichrist of which you have heard that is coming, and now is already in the world." And it goes on to say, um, "By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error." And uh, Jeremiah chapter 4 also talks about a spirit of error. And so it's important to, to see that there are there's a counterfeit out there. We have the fruits of the Spirit, but we also have the spirit of error, um, which we could call a few different things. But it's important that we do heart checks, I think, uh, to make sure that we are in the correct spirit. Because remember, Satan, he's a master counterfeiter who can mimic the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's something that we should keep in the back of our minds and, and compare the fruits in Galatians 5, 19 through 23 to see it, which fruits are most pronounced in our lives and which root feeds our growth. Because, um, yeah, it's a very important thing to point out. There's two different things working here. Yeah, I find it so fascinating that when we're abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit, the natural production of it is going to result in spiritual fruit. But when we're walking in the world and walking according to the flesh, then it's going to produce fleshly works. Yeah. And you talk about the comparison and contrast. I mean, it is ugly to look at that list starting in verse 19 compared to the list that we just went over in mm -hmm. verse 22. Like, I mean, because even those are broke down into four different categories, some would, like sensual sins, religious sins, which is hilarious because... You know, we talk about religiosity being such an, a bad thing because yeah. people are stuck in idolatry or sorcery. And then you have interpersonal sins like jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, and then just social sins like like drunkenness or revelries. And, and then the Bible even just because it didn't even cover them all, it says and the like. And then it goes on to say. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want to make sure that we, um, for anybody who's struggled and, and maybe fallen or maybe slipped up, I don't want to put a spirit of condemnation. I want to make sure that we um, completely elaborate on what it means to practice such things. Yeah, that's that's really important because uh, there's a big difference in um, stumbling and uh, getting caught up in a sin and practicing yes, sin. Yes, very much so. Um, a scripture that comes to mind is um, 
If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Yeah. I don't have that address. I should, but oh. it's in there. Um, <laughs> keyword it in Google. It'll pop up. No, but... First John 1, 9. There it is. But no, it, it's so important to point that out because it's a condition of the heart, isn't it? It is. And it's also about like the heart behind it and what happens to that. And I think we're going to get into this probably in our next podcast about your conscience and whether it's seared or not, because can you sin and do you not feel conviction anymore? Like if you're just keep running back to that thing. And, and I like even one pastor that I really respect the way that he said it is when I talk about practicing sin, it's like the dude who wants to be the, the best at this. And so he is just putting in the work to be the best at this sin. And I, I thought, wow, that's an interesting way to put it. Is there, if you're experiencing um, a conviction and you might even be in a place where you're miserable because you're struggling so hard with it, there's a difference in practicing. Practicing is like you just said, it's a mental state of, I do this because I enjoy it. Yes. And I really don't care about stopping. Yeah. It's, it's almost that mentality. Um, and not to say that we shouldn't strive even as a believer to just not sin, but yeah, yeah, it, it, that is a very important thing because, uh, verses, you know, some of these verses that you read in scripture, uh, if you're not grounded in what it really means, you can get condemned by the devil, the accuser, and he can take you to a place that, um, I think we talked about it in surviving seasons of doubt. It's just, it can take you into a depression. And so yeah. you, you need to be confident in your salvation, uh, work through and do your heart checks and, and do this. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's a good thing to And I think that's the biggest thing that we realize is that God convicts where Satan condemns. Mm-hmm. And we just have to listen for the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not try to be the best sinner at, at that particular no, sin, whatever exactly. is working in our lives. And we just, you know, every day is a new day and we walk closer to God and we walk in the spirit. So we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Exactly. You know, we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit and I am not a professional gardener and, and I don't know any real farmers that um, farm fruit, but I did do some Google searches, which I know is completely going <laughs> to yield amazing results. Uh, but I found this completely compelling and captivating is that um, I was looking up how long does it take a tree to produce fruit? And I found this again, just go with me on this because this is my rabbit hole <laughs> trail as, uh, as we call them. Uh, did you know that for a tree to produce fruit, from its seed um, could take as many as over 10 years. Mm. And then you're not even going to know if it is going to produce fruit just based on that seed. I mean, depending on where you got it, if it's viable, all those kind of things. But nurseries and garden centers take cuttings away from parent plants and graft them into root stock. And this is a more reliable way to guarantee that you're going to get the same type of fruit. And so planting a seed and growing it into a tree is a bit of a gamble. And of course, you have to wait for it to see what kind that you'd get. And yet they take this graft and they put it into a tree. And within two to three years, in many cases, they're able to see fruit and the way that the fruit needs to be. It's the, it's the same type of fruit. 
And I couldn't help but just see a spiritual correlation as I went down this rabbit hole that as we share our faith, as we disciple someone, as we um, lead them in that sinner's prayer or conversion to Christianity or to become a disciple, and we talk about like those Christianese terms, I couldn't help but see a spiritual parallel to think that sharing your faith is kind of like grafting part of our faith into them. Oh, that's deep, man. Yeah, that's that really is that. That's a fascinating thing to think about, and I think, man, when I first saw that that grafting example, I've seen a video of it. I was like, "What is this voodoo?" You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's a strange thing. Yeah, but yeah, there is, and there's so many examples that God uses this grafting in of uh, the Gentiles with the Jew, and mm-hmm. He uses it a lot. Yeah, and while there are metaphors and there's all of this stuff in Scripture that's used to explain, I think there's a very real aspect to it too. Yeah, and I think I think you might be onto something. Well, and I couldn't help but think of like parents that are are sharing their faith with their children, and and I realized that this is the tragic thing is that sometimes grafts don't take. Yeah. You know, and we've seen that in cases, but I also think that my faith would not be nearly as strong as it is without the grafting of my parents. Yeah. And they're raising me the way that they have. And I realize that there are people who come to Christ completely aside from anyone necessarily pouring into them like the level that I've received. And maybe it takes them a little longer to bear fruit. Maybe it doesn't. But I just thought that was an interesting concept. And I feel like that's something that we can carry in applicably to where we share our faith and we're sharing part of who we are with them and we're grafting uh, a little piece of our faith into them as we reveal Christ in us, the hope of glory, and hopefully lead them along as a disciple. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I think about the uh, the parable of the talents, too, here. it's uh, We've talked about good fruit and bad fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the cool thing about that parable is there's some that produced a lot more than others. Jesus loved them both the same. Yeah. And, and there's there's a lot of, of support for just showing how awesome Jesus is and how how he accepts us accepts us all. But um, it, the last part of that parable we haven't touched on too is is those who don't bear any fruit. Mm. There's good, there's bad, and then there's some that that don't bear any. Yeah. And I think. Um, it's important to, that we do realize that we do need to be producing fruit. It, we, it should be visible to those around us as well as ourselves. Yes, fruit is an evidence of what's going on in, in the inside and then what's in our roots. And we've talked about that several times, but I cannot um, emphasize that enough that what is being um, produced in you is an evidence of where you're planted and what's happening in your nucleus, as I like to say, is in your trunk, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. No, that's, and it's true. And and then I I laugh because we're already pretty much done with the episode just about, and we haven't even talked about being like fruit inspectors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which it'll branch into another podcast. We hope you you, uh, reach out to us if y'all want it to, but we will get to it eventually. I think we'll call it probably fruit inspectors versus sin sniffers and... Well, I have a few names, too. Oh, well. <laughs> I want you to feel that. <laughs> Josh will give me a say. Don't worry, yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> but one, one thing I do before we close out, I, I wanted to include this because, well, I was thinking about good fruit and bad fruit and, and all that. It brought to my memory one of my favorite books, which is Into the Wild. 
And it's a true story about a young man named Chris McCandless who came from a, a pretty wealthy family and he went to college and did everything that you know perfect citizens are expected to do. Uh, but he came to a point where he noticed that it was all meaningless, like we learned in Ecclesiastes. Mm. And he decided to drop off the grid, basically. He sold essentially everything he had. And he started to hitchhike to Alaska, where he was planning to survive in the wilderness to escape the hypocrisy and evil that he was running from. That's, that's what was going on in his mind, what he was running from. And throughout this trek to Alaska... He overcame a lot of obstacles, and he had this this whole idea of purity and virtue. And for him, Alaska was the goal. That's where he was headed to escape this stuff. And um, the story ends with him eating some wild fruit that he didn't realize was deadly. Oh wow! And he died at the end of this this huge trek, this big idea. And some hunters found his body along with his journal. And it's a true story, and um, it had this whole story in it made it into a book, and the, the amazing correlation from that story that caught my attention was this. We can be dedicated our entire lives to a noble idea. We can set in stone these these ways that seem so right to us, but in the end, it's the fruit that will determine our fate. Good fruit leads to life. Bad fruit leads to death. And no fruit will starve. Mm. So I got to think, of what, what kind of fruit do you got? You know, I got to ask myself that question, yeah. and that's what this is all about. And um, yeah, so I just thought I'd include that. That was something that really, because that was one of my favorite books, and I, I couldn't help but remember it. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you remember the passage in Jeremiah seventeen? It's uh, starts in verse five. I just I love the comparison and contrast because it says, "Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert." And shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. And then the next verses contrast that, saying, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit." I think it's all about where we're at. It's all about abiding in God. Yeah. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And I like that he's like, he shall be like a tumbleweed. And we see a lot of those in in West Texas, you know, but... um, That's where you're planted. Yeah, where you're planted, where your roots grow. And that's what we want to do is we want to root for the fruit. And in order to produce spiritual, healthy fruit, we have to walk in the Spirit. In order to walk in the Spirit, we have to abide in the Spirit and make sure that He's in our heart. And then in the rooting part of it, not only do we want to make sure that we have good roots, but we want to root others on. We want to cheer for those that are in the faith as they progress. Yeah. Don't be planted in Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No. And then you got some, like, four-eyed apples or yeah, something. Yeah, that, that, that brings a whole new meaning to your nucleus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then cultivate and don't counterfeit. Yeah. Because produce, don't manufacture. Yeah. Continue to disciple and be discipled to grow your roots and then allow fruit to grow. That's rooting for the fruit, snake birds. Yeah. And we talked about a bunch of things. Um, get in the conversation, please, please uh, join the conversation on Facebook. You can comment below where we've posted this 
episode, or you can send us a direct message. You can start a dialogue with us, or you can send us an email. That email address is connect at bsnakebird.com. We want to hear from you about this. Yeah, that's right, guys. We we really encourage you to reach out um, for a conversation between y'all and us. And, and if y'all have um, prayer requests, whatever it may be, you can contact us, like Josh said, at our email or uh, reach out to us uh, through Messenger or Facebook. And don't forget, guys, um, one great way you can help uh, the Snakebird Podcast is to share us, whether that be on social media, Carrier Pigeon, it does not matter. <laughs> Please share us in a, another great way. Uh, it helps more than you realize. Is give us a good rating um, on, on our podcast app wherever you listen because that helps it you know boost to other people out there so if you wouldn't mind if we are deserving of it yeah a rating <laughs> and a review would be amazing mm-hmm. um, and then also if you want to subscribe to us you can do so on Apple Podcasts and then you can also subscribe to us on Spotify maybe you're listening to us through that avenue there's a lot of different ways that you can listen so you know find us out there and um Keep coming back because there's going to be a brand new episode every week, every Tuesday. That's right. Tune in Tuesdays. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) So always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. Have deep roots and produce fruit like a A snake bird. Obviously, don't have a degree in theology. (laughs) (laughs) Always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and produce fruit by like like a snake. Snake bird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's a good ending.